world. It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen. Coming at you three days a week in August into the first couple weeks of September. Then we'll be back five days a week, Monday through Friday. Get it rolling as we head into the season. But now, in our off-season publishing schedule, we have a little fun today. I, I'm gonna, I would call this not a true mailbag episode, but it is a uh, listener-directed episode. A couple listeners over the last couple months have sent me emails to the email address, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Great place to have a civil discourse, share ideas, and kind of uh, get a little back and forth going to help me focus the show and make it better for you, the listener. So lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Uh, a couple, a couple folks, including longtime listener Tim, shout out to you, Tim, uh, sent questions along the lines of kind of like, "Hey, why not go super optimistic and like give a sh- do a show w- which is like something like how the Blazers can finish as a top five record in the West, or what would have to go right for the Blazers to to be like a home court advantage type team, or or or, or avoid the play in and be be like a true playoff team in in in, in the West." And if you've listened to the show. If you're long to listen to the show, you just know that I'm not that type of sort of rosy, lie-about-it optimist. Um, I am what some might call a realist and some might call a pessimist and others might call a hater. But um, what I think maybe is is the most accurate there is that, that I'm someone who doesn't like to lie about how I feel, right? Like, I'll, I'll, I'll sometimes put on a, put on the mask and, 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 uh, and you know... Give the people what they want. But for the most part, if I hold an opinion strongly or I've developed an opinion by, you know, putting a lot of careful thought into something, I'm just going to keep it there, right? Like I'm going to tell you what I think and I'm going to try to tease out the reasons why I think that. So I, you know, and I sent Tim this that email that said exactly this. I don't think the Blazers can make the playoffs. I don't think they have enough talent to make the playoffs. They are worse than they were last year and they were pretty much bad from December on last year. Um, you know, good offense, terrible defense. They're probably going to be worse on offense, terrible defense again. So like, um, it's, it would be disingenuous to me to sort of pitch to you like, here's why, here's what it's going to take for the Blazers to be the fifth best team in the West. I don't think they can do that. But I have, with some thought, some consideration, kind of, uh, reached a point where I, I I know what the best case or for me like a hopeful and enjoyable case for the Blazers would look like this season. That's what I want to talk about to open the show. First couple segments that's what we'll talk about. Then we'll close the show talking about Nikola Jovic. Um, he's, he's playing well in the World Cup and I want to talk about whether that changes the Miami Heat's potential trade offer for Damian Lillard. Um, Heat fans, <laughs> I'll put the timestamp in the episode so you can skip ahead. But uh, we, Jovic is actually going to play. You're listening to uh, September 1st show, Friday, September 1st show. He's going to play overnight. So I, I'm recording this on Thursday evening. He's going to play overnight. So by the time you listen to this, he will have already played. He's probably going to do like a 360 dunk from half court. But we'll talk about that to close the show. Let's talk best case, worst case. Or excuse me, just best case for the Blazers. So I don't think they can make... Um, I don't think they can make the playoffs. I just don't think they have the talent to make the playoffs. They haven't not attempted to add much talent to this roster. They're pretty much very blatantly committed to going young. Uh, they have the, like the youngest roster in the league. Even with Damian Lillard on the roster, their average age is under 25. They're young. They're young. They're a young group. I'm assuming at some point Damian Lillard plays for another franchise, whoever that might be. Some to, some at some point this year, whether that's to start the season, whether that's in December, whether that's in January, whether it happens in February, I do not believe Damian Lillard. 
I, I very strongly do not believe Damian Lillard will be on the Blazers roster at, at the end of the season. So some of this is baked in with the idea that Dame's going to be gone. But I think the some, what the best case scenario looks like is a lot like Dame's rookie season. And I don't mean to draw a direct parallel to that because I think that team was just like straight up better. They had an established all-star in LaMarcus Aldridge who was just like a straight up very good basketball player. They had Wesley Matthews who had been really, you know, had been guarded Kobe and Carmelo and got in the playoffs and got paid for it. Nicholas Batum who was coming into his own. Damian Lord who was, you know, on pace to have a Hall of Fame career. And even as a rookie, he was going to win unanimous rookie of the year. And he was good right away, literally from game one, from the jump. So like that team in the that's the 2012-2013 season uh shout out to my listeners who, who were like in the sixth grade when that season started um i i'm glad thank you for listening i appreciate you so maybe you don't remember it very well because you were in middle school but it, during that season during during the 2012-2013 season the blazers were not like they they just weren't going to be good they they were like i said they had the makings of a the makings of a of of a team that was going to be good because the following season they won 54 games in a playoff series but that season they went 33 and 49 and some of it was depth a lot of it was just they didn't have the right center Uh, they had you know a a rookie Joel Freeland they had a rookie Myers Leonard and they were relying a lot on on uh, JJ Hickson Uh, they just they just they didn't have the depth you know like Sasha Pavlovich was playing a lot of minutes for him it was they were a team that was figuring it out so it, it, it it's not a perfect comparison to what the team is going to be this year but the vibes in the direction could be something that I think looks like the best case scenario for the Blazers and let me let me expand on that that team wasn't supposed to be good, right? They had uh, pulled the plug and, and kind of um, trade away a bunch of parts and, and and pivoted off a veteran roster. You know, it's the end of the B-Roy era and 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 heading into what's next. And they um, they make a trade to get a top. They get their you know they have their own pick, which is in, in the lottery, and then they have a, a, make a trade to get a top six draft pick and Damian Lillard, a pretty good deal for Jared Wallace. Like they weren't supposed to be good. This was the beginning of of, of a rebuild, right? But they hung around. They hung around. And heading into February, they were 25 and 23. They were a game and a half out of eighth place on February 4th. Like, that, you know, that's that's 48 games into the year. That's almost 50 games into the year. They were right there, right? They were right there chasing Utah, chasing Houston for that last spot in the playoffs. It, it, you know, they didn't finish the season like that. They lost five straight heading into the All-Star break. They closed the season on a 13-game losing streak. And they went from a team that was going to be like right in that 40-win range and have a chance to a team that um, was pretty bad. <laughs> they ended up with 33 wins. Drawing a direct comparison is not what I want to do to this year's team. But I think something like the best the best best case scenario is is a team that's like plucky and better than you think and they're better than you think because the young rookie point guard is takes is is like ready to go early in his career right is that scoot is like you know dame was i don't know if scoot's going to be unanimous rookie of the year pretty safe bet that he won't be um but like i i think 
the chances that he's like an impactful good rookie is pretty 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 solid. Most rookies are bad, right? Most 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 young players are are net negatives. Even the most special players like Cade Cunningham, John Morant come to mind, like lead guards who are like clearly going to be very good in the league. And I think both John Morant is good, and I think Cade Cunningham is going to be very good. They were negatives, like even as rookies, right? There's just like you don't have the efficiency. You're just not there on defense. You, you're still kind of figuring out, even if the promise is so, so, so obvious. And I think Scoot might be that. But but the best case scenario for me, for the Blazers, is that they're plucky and tough. And when you get into the new year, they're still kind of in the hunt. And that means that they're competitive every night. They can, you know, they can beat every bad team that they play. And when they play against the really good teams, they've got a puncher's chance. If they're 25 and 23, 48 games in, like that's going to be a fun team to root for. And I think something like something akin to that. The best case scenario, which, you know, you get 50 or 60 games of, hey, this is a competitive team that I enjoy watching, is 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 probably the best case scenario for this group. Like, they're trying to be bad. The, the front office is, is like, they built a team that, that's, that is not attempting to be a competitive team in the league. Like, it's just like, it, just look, look at the roster. Um, so, if they overachieve, it'll be really rewarding and fun. I don't think as listener Tim and a few others, but Tim is the first email I remember uh, from about this. It's like, I don't think there's a world in which they are like, oops, they're great. Cause I don't feel comfortable saying that like Scoot Henderson is going to be like a, you know, like a top 10 point guard, top 10 player disposition or whatever as a rookie. That's, that seems a little rich, but if they're, if they're tough, tougher than you think, and and competitive on most nights, competitive into the new year, that's pretty fun, and that will, and you know maybe they don't take the exact same path as 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 the, as that 2012 2013 Blazers, but if you if you are, if you kind of speed up the timeline, it allows you to make different decisions to you know get to to continue to be competitive. I think there's like a pretty reasonable case to be made that the Blazers should be awful on purpose um but it's not fun to watch awful on purpose it's fun to watch teams overachieve and i think that is what the best case scenario looks like is a team that is hanging around longer than you think so what has to go right for them to hang around longer than you think talk about that in the second segment first i want to tell you about FanDuel. it's football season it's 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 a coming it starts next week next thursday in fact uh september 7th get ready so why not take advantage of the, the looming NFL season with great offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers to FanDuel can, get, can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. It's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props to whatever else you're looking for. So visit FanDuel.com slash on. Kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. That's FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right. So if I think the best case scenario for the Blazers is something like being competitive into the first 50 games of the season and then you know, life catches up with them and they end up with a top five pick anyways. That That is kind of, that is like probably the best case scenario, right? Is that they, they draft CJ McCollum, um, except the six foot 10, <laughs> six, 10 CJ McCollum. That, that's, if that player's available, go get him. Is Ron Holland that? Um, in any case, what has to go right for, for, for the Blazers to be plucky, to be better than you think? You know, some of it is pretty obvious. I don't mean to make this like I'm reading hieroglyphics. I am merely someone with 
opinions and a microphone, right? I, I Like, you can guess it. If you're listening to a Blazers podcast in September, you know what has to go right for them to be good. Amphrey Simons has to continue to be a really good player. Again, sorry, caveat, 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 before I get into the obvious stuff. This is assuming that Damian Lillard, like, I, I think there's a world in which, I don't actually think this, but I think there's a world, there there's a non-zero chance that, uh, non-lettero chance that is, um, that Dame is on the team and plays well and they win because Damian Lillard is a really good basketball player. And then that causes some confusion about what the direction of the team is because they've clearly chosen one, right? But, but, but like I said at the top of the episode, I'm assuming at some point, you know, in the next couple of weeks, in the next couple of months, Damian Lillard is no longer on the roster. So what has to go right for once the sort of that post-Dame era, the next era for this team to sort of hang around into the in, into February and then and, and, and pushing up against March? Um, Anthony Simons has to take that next step. He's and is good. Like he's a good basketball player. He can really shoot it. He's one of the best shooters in the league. He can shoot off the bounce. He can shoot um, as a catch and shoot, like just like spread on the wing. Variety of jumpers, uh, shoots shoots on the move, has developed uh, a pretty good in between game with floaters and running little running baby hooks. Um, his his playmaking has while it still leaves something some to be desired, a little bit to be desired for sure. Like he's taken leaps and bounds from what he was two seasons ago. Like he's he's a good basketball player, but for, for the Blazers to to stick around, he needs to continue that that pace, right? Like he needs to be a twenty five a night type of guy and continue his efficiency. Yeah, duh. You knew that, right? Like, like, um, Amphrey Simons is the is currently the best guard on the Blazers roster. Whether he's part of of the like true, true, true next step, the of the non dames, he is so clearly their best guard. If it, the simple math is, your best players have to play well. Hence, Jeremy Grant has to has to with added volume, right? He's going to have to continue his efficiency that he showed last season. Last year, he had the most efficient shooting season of his career. He was freaking great. Scored 20 points per game on 40% shooting from three. He's going to have a different role, particularly in the post-Dame role. I mean, again, like, we don't know what the return is going to be, so, like, obvious asterisks, asterisks, asterisks on this, but, like, assume it's something um, within the realm of what we've kind of guessed it might be over the last few months here on this podcast. Um, they're not trading for a star. So, like... Jeremy Grant is going to play a ton of minutes because they do not have many players who can play power forward in the NBA. So he's there. He's going to get leaned on to play, you know, 37 plus minutes a night. He's going to have a lot more share of the offense and for the Blazers to hang around and be good into the new year, into February, like approaching the trade deadline as still a competitive above 500 E type team. He's going to have to continue that efficiency as his volume goes up. That's a bigger ask than Anthony Simons taking the next step. Anthony Simons is 25, right? Or 24. Like he's, 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 he's going to, he has clearly room to grow and he's gotten better and significantly better in the last two seasons. And um, yeah, like he's there, there's, it seems to be sort of cleaner for Anthony Simons to improve than, than to Jeremy Grant, just to like be, take, take the most efficient shooting season of your career and add, you know, and add 15% to the volume if players could just like scale up their volume and not lose efficiency, everyone would be a star in the league. It's just not that simple of a thing. But for things to go right, Ant has to take that step. Jeremy Grant has to continue the efficiency. Yusuf Nurkic has to stay healthy. If they're going to be good, Yusuf Nurkic has to play, I don't know, every game, but like 90% of the games up until that sort of 50 game mark, he's got to, you know, he's got to play 45 of them, 46 of them. 
you know, they don't have any big man depth. They chose to do this. They chose to not add centers. They chose to not, they sat out free agency on their own. They can, uh, Joe Cronin can say that he chose to sat out because he was uncertain what was going to happen with Dame and he's, he's waiting for something to happen. But if he says that and he says that they're, they're willing to not trade Dame, then he made a freaking choice to not upgrade the front court. And he did. The only other center they have in the roster is Moses Brown. They need Nurk to play. They they just need him to play. They need him to play and play and play and play and play. Um, Nurk doesn't need to take like massive steps forward um, for them to be a 500 e team. I, frankly, I don't think there's much more that Nurk can add to his game. I think he is what he is at this point. He can maybe sharpen around the edges, but I think he's going to be an inefficient finisher and a, a guy who's slow laterally with slow laterally with not a lot of. Um, you know, vertical pop, but he's a gigantic person. He's a good screen setter. He's got, um, you know, he can pass a little bit and he's, and, and being big and in the way will be the thing he is most valuable at for the Blazers. Because once he's out of there, they don't have enough big in the way guys to even prop up a defense to get like close to respectable. Nurk's got to play. That's what it's got to go right. And then the young guys have to get good. The young guys have to get good. Scoot Henderson has to be good in a hurry. Like, uh, it can't take Scoot until January. Under this scenario, it can't take Scoot until January to be like, okay, now I've seen 35 NBA games. I kind of know how it works, right? Like, he needs to be, he needs to hit the ground running and be really good early in the season. And Shaden Sharp, um, the 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 ascension that it looked like he was capable of making at the end of last season. Now he's not going to have the same role that he had the last ten games, but the, but like okay, yeah, this dude is more than just kind of like a, you know, the, he is he is destined to be a high level starter in this league and maybe something more. He needs to go ahead and and show that early in the season, right? Like the, like he needs to be Shaden Sharp needs to not have this sort of the the real trajectory of NBA players is that it's it fluctuates, right? Like. Um, it is development and, and, and growth is, is, is neither guaranteed nor linear, right? Your development is, 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 is just a, is a scatter, is a scatter plot. You just, you move all up and down all up and down the grid because good here. Okay. This fell off a little bit. Now I've got to tighten this up. And, and it's like, you don't ever, not everyone's just going that straight line. Um, I don't know enough about math to know what type, type of graph that is, but, uh, some of you out there know. Shout out to the quadratic formula. But um, uh, excuse me, Shaden Sharp needs needs to continue his 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 growth, and it needs to be it needs to be mostly linear. He needs to not backslide at all. In year two, he needs to he needs to fit, he needs to t- build on what he showed at the end of last season. If you get that, Amphrey Simons takes the next step. Jeremy Grant continues his efficiency on more volume. Yusuf Nurkic just plays every night. Scoot Henderson is good right away. Like, I think Scoot Henderson's going to be a very good NBA player, but good right away in this scenario. And Shaden Sharp continues to take those steps where it's like, yeah, this dude needs to play, and this is an NBA starter. Doesn't matter if he's 20, he, he's he's that good. And Blazers might, that's how they stick around. That's how they're plucky. That's how they're better than you think. That's how they end up 25 and 23 in the middle of, or in the early February, and you're like, huh, I thought this team was going to stink. They've been pretty fun. Anything can happen from there. But if they're going to follow what I think is the best case scenario, which is something akin to Dame's rookie year, I think that's what has to go right. Okay. To close the show, I got a bunch of questions. This is what I mentioned was listener guided. A couple different uh, people have emailed me this question uh, about Nikolajovic. He plays for the Miami Heat. 
So what the heck are we talking about him on the Blazers for? I don't know. Are the Heat and the Blazers connected? Listen, Jovic has been really good in FIBA. And what I want to ask is, does his World Cup play, does it mean anything for a potential Damian Lillard trade? That's what we'll talk about to close the show. Join me in that third segment, won't you? Still a pass for point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked on Blazers. Or if you're a Heat fan who skipped ahead, what's up? Welcome to the program. Okay. Nikolajovic has been really good in as as of this record in the FIBA World Cup for Serbia. It's been really good. They've played three games. They play overnight tonight. Um, they play at 1 a.m. Uh, West Coast time. I'm not going to stay up till 3 to record a podcast. And... Um, the, the way this was going to work was it just wasn't going to work out for your boy. Nikola Jovic's playing schedule wasn't going to work out for your boy. It happens. So when he does, as mentioned in the, early in the show, when he does do a 360 dunk from half court tonight, um, just leave, you know, leave it in the YouTube comments. <laughs> Tell me I missed it because uh, I'm, I'm not recording that. But Jovic has been good. Uh, the Serbia's undefeated. They've played China, Puerto Rico, and, and South Sudan. And Jovic is averaging 17 points, 2.7 boards, 3 assists. Um, he's shooting 8 of 12 from 3 in the tournament. That's good for 66.66666 repeating percent. Um, he's, you know, he's he's been solid all over. 10 of 12 from 2. Like, he's just... 7-9 for the free throw line. He's make he's making shots. Uh, you know, he had he had 9-3-2 against China, followed that with 17-3-4 against Puerto Rico, and then a monster game against South Sudan. 25 points, 9 of 9, 4 of 4 from 3 to go with two boards, three assists, plus 34 in a blowout beatdown. So a couple listeners said, Hey Mike, you watching the World Cup? You seen this guy? Does this change what the ask and offer might be from the Heat? Does this make the Miami Heat's offer more appealing? And the short answer is no. <laughs> the short answer is no. The long answer is what follows here in this podcast. But China, Puerto Rico, and the South Sudan are just not, it's not NBA level competition. Is it meaningless? Absolutely not. Is it, is it meaningful? Absolutely not. It's somewhere in the middle. It is good to play good. I think that is undeniable. And, you know, shooting 8 of 12 from 3 across 3 games at someone his size. Like, and I, I, I'm i not going to, like, uh, allow me to, to tell you the truth. I haven't watched these games in full. I watch his highlights, but I haven't I haven't sat down to watch um, Serbia, China, and Serbia, Puerto Rico. Like, so, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just not how... Um, it's, it's, it's not how it worked for me. So I am, I've, I've, I've watched a bunch of highlights of him. I've, I've probably seen every bucket he's made. I've certainly seen all the threes that he's made um, in, in this tournament. Playing well. And he's big. And he's intriguing. But, and, and I'll say this. For the Heat's offer to the Blazers, and, and, and if you're like sort of new to this, you've lived under a rock and you're for some reason listening to this podcast in, in, in September, Damon Lillard wants to get traded to the Miami Heat and only Miami Heat. They don't have a super appealing offer, but Jovic is their best young prospect that they can offer by a lot. Tyler Hero is that, right? But Tyler Hero doesn't fit with what the Blazers want to do. Even if you think he's way better than Amphrey Simons, then you have to figure out what to do with Amphrey Simons. It just, it's just... It, 
hero and the Blazers are not a good match. So of the non-hero candidates, and that's what I should have said to start this, then of the non-hero options that the, the Heat can offer, Jovic is clearly their best upside prospect. Uh, hero is like, he's not yet 24. He has signed a second contract, so I don't know if that still makes him a prospect in the league, but he's like, he's a young, he's a very good young basketball player. I don't, I don't mean to, don't mean to uh, get, get it twisted there. So Jovic's appeal could potentially sweeten the how the sweeten the pot for the Heat. Maybe could it could it grease the wheels for the Blazers and like kind of get this trade going? I you know I don't think like I said I don't think the World Cup games are meaningful. I don't think they're meaningless. But playing well is playing well. If he played poorly, you would say, yeah, he's, I mean, he's really struggling. In the, he's really struggling in the World Cup. He's played well. It's like he's balling in the World Cup. Like those are undeniable numbers. 25 and, and making all your shots. 25 on 9 and 9 shooting. That's, that's a game. That is a, that is a game. Undeniable. Pretty much against anybody, right? Like even if the competition is, is low-level competition, that's a, that's a game. But three games can't possibly change the Blazers' opinion on this trade. It can't. It cannot. And whatever he does against Italy overnight tonight, it cannot. I mean, if he has, like, I guess, 80. I'll put it at 80. <laughs> if he scores, you know what? I'll lower it. If Nikola Jovic scores 40 against Italy, then yeah, it changes the calculation. But like, it's just not enough. It's just too small of a sample size. It's It's lower than NBA competition. Uh, it reminds me of Billy Hernan Gomez balling for Spain and like, you know, winning the MVP of the tournament. Billy Hernan Gomez is very good for Spain and he is a borderline rotation player in the league. It's just, it's not always a great, it's not always a great comparison, right? Like Billy Hernan Gomez is a pro, a longtime pro. He's going to play 15 years of professional basketball, but it's not like, you know, dominating Rudy Gobert and FIBA translated to being a dominant, like a dominant player in, in the NBA. It's just, it's just, it's, it is not one-to-one by any means. Does, is Jovic stock on the rise a little bit for the summer? Sure. It's on the rise a little bit. I'd, I'd say the graph's going up. We're talking graphs, We're talking graphs. Shout out to Kevin Durant um, uh, in this show. I think his graph's going up, but the appeal of Nikola Jovic is not three games. The appeal of Nikola Jovic is his size and his just like general upside and all of the things he's done leading up to this, right? Like you better hope the Blazers scout includes more than just three games at FIBA, right? Three games of the World Cup in, 20, in the summer of 2023. All of the things that went into it would change sort of the appeal of, of that youngster. Does it help the Heat's case? Sure. Does it change, you know, and there's some sort of hardline people on both sides, right? There's some hardline Blazer fans who think any trade with the Heat is terrible garbage and that even entertaining the idea on this podcast should put me in prison. <laughs> Take them away. And there are some hardline Heat fans that think the Blazers are you know, being unreasonable and that they will take, you know, a highly protected first round pick in 2041, uh, Kyle Lowry's contract and Nikolajovic and go home and shut up. And I think there's like, there's, there's certainly people on both sides, but like the middle is the middle. Here's the middle truth. There might not be a better offer out there than what Miami has offering is offering for Damian Lillard. And the heat offer is pretty underwhelming. If both of those are true, Jovic's upside in FIBA matters a little bit more because if you scour who's going to make deals for Dame, and I believe it was reported by Mark Spears on a podcast hosted by Aaron Fentress of the Oregonian this week that uh, Jason Tatum had recruited Damian Lillard. And I think that was already out there, to be to be quite honest. I don't think that's new news. Um, I, I believe Chris Haynes reported that like 
six weeks ago. Um, I don't have that for sure, but I believe Chris Haynes reported that like six weeks ago that that Tatum was calling Dame and it just didn't work out, right? Uh, it just doesn't make sense. But 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 like I'm talking that that level of team, right? Philly, Boston, the, the Clippers. I don't know if they're that level of team, but like the good teams that are going to chase Damian Lillard, they don't have super appealing assets. That's the truth of it. And the teams that do have super appealing assets are probably not in the range to make a play for Damian Lillard at age 33 with how much left he has, how much he has left on his contract. So Nikola Jovic playing well in FIBA matters because if you go back to the heat and you say, give me your best offer and it has to include Jovic, it has to, because we've seen, we all, we, you know, we already thought he had upside and he's playing, he's played a really nice summer and we think he can build on it. That's the only thing it changes is that it becomes a non-negotiable for the Blazers that he has to be included. But his play in FIBA, at least to date, does not really change anything. What changes, what the only, the, like, the reality of it is that they're at a standstill because the Blazers want a better offer that might not exist and they're in no rush to take one before they find out for sure that that better offer doesn't exist. Jovic can ball out, and I hope he does. He's a fun player. Uh, you remember if you listen to the show regularly that I did, we did that crossover episode. I did a crossover episode with uh, Wes and David of Locked on Heat. We did like a mock trade discussion, and 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 it got to the point where David, uh, who was playing the part of the of the Heat GM, said, "You got to choose between one of the youngsters, Nikola Jovic or Jaime Hawkins at the end of the deal." And I said, "You know, I I like Jaime Hawkins more, but the upside is just is just so much higher with Jovic." So. That's where you got to go. And that's kind of, I think, like, if if that was true two weeks ago, uh, last week, I guess, a week ago, we recorded that, it's still true now, even after a nice run at FIBA. He's still the young Heat player, the young Heat prospect with non-Tyler Hero division with the most upside. So it doesn't change too much of the calculation. It just puts a finer point on what the calculation is. Yeah, this is a... This is a big dude with some outside shooting potential. Um, he's like a he's a wing, right? Like he's like a three. He's not he's not a big physical player, right? He's he's a he's a wing. He's a perimeter player. Um, intriguing big perimeter player. The Blazers could use an intriguing big perimeter player, and if they liked Nikola Jovic in early August, and they probably like him in early September, regardless of what happened in the FIBA World Cup. Does that make the trade closer? No. <laughs> no. We'll be talking about this forever. Talking about this. Dame's going to finish his career in Portland. We'll just talk about him getting traded until 2027. I will say this. Uh, I'm not going to watch this game tonight against Italy, but Serbia plays the Dominican Republic on Sunday morning. Little, little early, honestly, for, for West Coast time, but I'll probably watch it on replay. Uh the FIBA World Cup's been fun and enjoyable, and I will continue to keep my eye on it, and we'll talk about it here. Um, a programming note, though. There is not going to be... Uh, there's going to be two episodes next week. I am going out of town, a family vacation, our last of the summer. And then we'll be back, and then we'll get rolling on previews, um, team previews, and and uh, as we do the uh, player capsules that we do for every player on the roster. If you're a long-time listener to the program or if you listened last year, leading up, uh, player capsules, previews of every player on the roster heading into the season, getting you set for training camp. They're fun, useful, and good to look back on to see what we thought and how right I was with some of my predictions. Here's one more thing, and a reward for those of you who listen to the end of the program. 
We're going to do a listener summit one, one, one more this summer. Listener summits are a couple. I've done them three or four times. And it's when I invite three listeners on the program and you join me for a segment and we talk what's up with the Blazers. We can talk kind of about whatever. I'll structure it a little bit and we'll make it happen. You'll have about eight minutes on the program. But if you are interested email me at LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com and tell me your favorite 21st century Blazers draft pick. Your favorite draft pick of the Blazers in the 21st century, that is after, we'll, we'll say starting with the 2000 draft. Uh, I know there's some people who debate that the 21st century th- started in 2001. I don't even understand that. Um, we're talking Y2K and beyond draft. Send me your favorite Trail Blazers draft pick of the 21st century and I'll pick um, some some listeners to be on a uh, a listener summit next week. Uh, We are going to record this next week on the evening, Pacific time in the evening on Wednesday and Thursday. So uh, I'll reach out to you. We'll coordinate. We'll make it happen. It's going to be fun. If if that doesn't work for some folks, maybe we'll push it back to the next week, but we're going to make some decisions next week. So email me, lockedonblazerspod.gmail.com. That is listener summit if you want to get involved. Do me a favor, tell your friends about the show because... We're doing it at multiple times a week, all summer long, and then back to five days a week when we get when we get going in the middle of September. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>